Thanks, Rev students. Felt good. So, Curtis, you didn't want to pick a different color. I had to go with gray. I mean, I think it looks sweet. The shirts look sweet. I want one. Anyway, good morning, everybody. Um, you guys doing okay? Okay. So, who here is admittedly really good at directions? Say you're good. Chad, you raise your hand for service. So, a couple of you guys. Who here is admittedly not good at directions? Okay, we've got a humble crowd. I'm not. I need. I personally need GPS. The frustrating thing is for me is my mom and dad are both like really good at directions. They just like inherently know where True North is, and so I try to do the same thing, and then I end up a county over for where I'm supposed to go. My friend is telling me the whole time, you're going the wrong way, you're going the wrong way. See, many of us are looking for directions, actually. We want a way to do this life, and we want a way to do life more abundantly. We want a way out of the mundane, or the hopeless, or even the miserable. We want a way to navigate this crazy world that we live in. And we've been focused on this series called Jesus, the Way, the Truth, and the Life, and the Light. And, um, and last week, Julie unpacked the question of who is Jesus, and that Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man in our humanity. Today, I want to focus on Jesus being the way. You know, Jesus said, I am the way. That's a super bold statement. And he didn't, he didn't say, I am a way, but he said, I am the way. And he's saying the way is not, you know, uh, a path, but it's actually a person, the way is not a religion, but it's actually a relationship. So I'm gonna pray, and we'll jump right in. So Father, thank you for today. Thank you for all these people gathered and all the Rev students who decided to wake up early and come. And God, we do just invite um, more awareness of your Holy Spirit and let any word that's uh, not from you just fall on deaf ears. Amen. So our series has been centered around John 14, 6. Again, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. This sounds pretty exclusive. Jesus, again, is being super bold. Like, who has the boldness to just be like, guys, I'm the way. Like, just listen to me. Like, but that's who Jesus was. I know just saying that statement saying to other people, saying, hey, Jesus is the only way. It's very controversial, it's confusing. A lot of people would disagree. It even sounds very arrogant or bigoted or dogmatic or obnoxious, like we know it all. It's often communicated in that manner. And we also live in this super uh, pluralistic culture, a culture that just allows every sort of belief, like anything goes. And I think for good reason, like we have to have free will. And there's many people who say, you know, doesn't ultimately every way lead you to God or ultimately every path will lead you to heaven? Uh, this is called universalism, by the way. It's often those people who have no specific faith at all that believe that all paths are okay. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have, you know, devout practicing Buddhists or Muslim or Hindu or Jew who would say, you know, not always are okay and not all paths lead to, to God. And then you also have the other side of the coin, 
there's many sides to this coin. You have the more scientific, naturalistic, atheistic, humanistic view. It's a lot of istics. You have no real interest or belief in an afterlife, but you, you, know, you try to pursue a good life and you try to do good to other people. See, there's so many different ways to do this life. Isn't Jesus just one of many? Why is Jesus the way? I think it's the biggest question of today, maybe. I know for me, more than me, um, just standing here preaching to you guys, like I want just my life to be a testimony of his goodness and his kindness. And I want to become, like Paul said, uh, I want to become all things to all men. I don't want to be a know-it-all. I want to be a learner, someone who just sits at the table with somebody else. And we do, we have, we have free will, we have options. We don't have to be forced to believe that Jesus is the only way. But I will say, I hope you do choose that if you haven't chose that yet. Everybody's decided Jesus is the way in here? If you, if you didn't, would you say it out loud? Would you be like, no. Well, I can preach in the choir. So this message is for someone online, maybe. So why is Jesus the way? Jesus is inclusive. And I believe he's actually the most inclusive. He said, whosoever may come, all are welcome. It doesn't matter your ethnicity, your age, your sinfulness, or your goodness, your intelligence. John 7, 37 puts it this way. He says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. And Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. You just call on my name. Come on, help me out. No, wherever I am, I'll come running to save you, my friend. I changed up the lyrics a little bit. But. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> It wasn't great, but I appreciate the clap. <laughs> I think this message of everyone is welcome, everyone who calls on the name, no matter what, is saved. It's just, it's hard to accept. I know for me, um, man, I've had a lot of sin. I've done a lot of bad things, and I've still sinned. Uh, but he's still pursuing me. Jesus welcomes the cheater. He welcomes the hateful the liar, the racist, the rapist. This is humbling. I think it's really hard for people to accept this, especially if you've been a victim, for you to accept the fact that someone who did this horrible thing to me could be saved too. Like guys, I've been, you know, I've lied. I've had racist thoughts, and I'm sure I still have racist thoughts that I'm unaware of. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So a couple months ago, I, uh, <clears throat> I shared my testimony up here. Many of you guys were probably here for that. Uh, but I, was, I just want to focus in on one part. I was in a jail cell, um, and I got pepper sprayed, and I couldn't see anything. It was really painful. I was trying to open my eyes. So I fumbled my way over to the, the sink in my cell, and I tried to wash it out. I even used toilet bowl water at one point to try and wash my face out. Um, it was not my, not my best decision. But I remember just uh, sitting on the toilet seat, 
and just like calling out to anybody who could help me. I called out to the prison guards and I even called out to my mom, as embarrassing as that is. Mom, I love you if you're watching. I'm sure she'll watch this. I love you, Mom. She's going to love that. It's going to be great. But I remember getting to God, and I did not want to say his name. I knew everybody could hear me like I was in the holding cell. Everybody could see me. I didn't want to call to God. I thought it was just super embarrassing. You see, up until that point in my life, I had just accomplished everything that was put in front of me. Like, I got the good grades in school. I started varsity in basketball. I mean, I'm really tall, so that was probably going to happen. But I went to school uh, in engineering. I graduated, got the degree, got the great job making great money. But when it actually came down to calling on help, and not only calling on help, but to some spiritual being, it just felt so ridiculously stupid in my head, if I'm being completely honest. But for some reason, I just said, God, will you help me? It was actually by grace. I know that now. And immediately, he told me to go up and look into the fluorescent light in my cell. He says, I want you to draw your eyes back on. So I put my fingers in my eyes, and I drew them back on, and I could see perfectly again. He says, you're made in my image. You guys are made in God's image. You hear me, Rev kids? You guys know this? Okay, good. Even after that point, guys, I turned my back on God. But he's still chasing after me. He's still pursuing me to this day. So guys, if that's, if that's you, if you identify with that, like you don't feel like, you feel like it's stupid to call out to God or that he's not gonna help you, can I just encourage you just to, just to humble yourself and call on the name of the Lord? There's no shame in that. God is always merciful. He's always kind. In fact, God says he exalts the humble, but he resists the proud. Okay, this feels really heavy. Let's keep going. So you guys may be saying, okay, yeah, I get Jesus is inclusive. I get that he welcomes everybody. And other religions are like that too. But here's what really sets Christianity apart. God is also the most exclusive God. And I know exclusive doesn't sound great, but hear me out. I guess you have to because I'm, I have a mic Thanks for laughing at that, John. But Jesus is not exclusive in the sense that he excludes people or that he's demanding or narrow-minded or he's selective. Only certain people get to get in or you have this predestination or, or that he's in your face nagging that you have to shape up and act a certain way in order to be accepted, in order to get to heaven. He's exclusive in the way that he excludes all your bad deeds as a hindrance to eternal life. He's exclusive in that your good deeds won't get you into heaven. There's no other God like this. He alone is the way. You know, this is um, admittedly Dai's message. I mean, I've made it my own. And when I say Dai, I mean Dai and Layman, um, 
She's awesome. I'm not just saying that to brown nose her, but she's an amazing preacher. And she's a co-founding pastor up in Champaign-Urbana. And uh, she did a lot of research on the most popular religions, like Buddhism and, and Islam and Hindu. And I'm not going to go into the details that she went into, um, but I will summarize to say that they all have this common thread, this one thing that ties them together, and that you have to do enough good in order to be saved. You have to suffer in order to get to enlightenment, or you have to live by karma until you eventually get wrapped up into the afterlife. And this is actually the most predominant Christian narrative. 37% of Christians believe this. Well, it's just, I think that's still the case. It's a study done a couple years ago. But 37% of Christians believe that you have to be good enough and do good enough in order to receive the good. But guys, this is not the gospel. This is everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. There's no prerequisite. This is the only God who is both inclusive and exclusive. The only God who wishes to serve us and to wash our feet and love us for who we are. Because he created us and he knows who we are. The only God who prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. I love this scripture. Uh, I think it kind of just summarizes it all. Paul wrote to Titus, and in Titus 3 it says, once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. Guys, I lived this. This was me. I was addicted. I was a slave to drugs. I was a slave to pleasure. I was a slave to anything that made me feel better. And I hated anyone who confronted my brokenness. But this is not the God that we serve. This, God excludes the bad. Picking up in verse four, it says, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. It's because of his mercy. It's because of what he did. Excludes all our bad and our good. Finally, in verse six, it says, he generously poured out the spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight. And he gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Guys, I wanna have confidence that we inherit eternal life. I wanna be confident of the fact that we are going to heaven and we're gonna see the people the lost ones that, we, uh, that we've lost, the loved ones that we've lost. I know admittedly this, um, this season has been really hard. A lot of people have uh, lost close loved ones and it's even made me question. We've had, we have a close friend back home that just passed away. And it makes me wonder, am I really ever gonna see that person again? But I think there's something so blessed in us just resting in the promise to just say, Jesus, here's my worry. Here's my worry about going to heaven. I'm just, I'm worried, so I'm just gonna give it to you, God. I'm not gonna just give my mind space to worry about this anymore. I'm gonna rest confidently assured that I'm going to heaven. 
So how do we know? Like I, some people might be saying as I'm saying that, like it's hard to just surrender something. Like I have to know. I have to know Jesus is the way. A lot of people have deconstructed their faith. They have abandoned their faith completely or they're embracing the other ways I've mentioned like universalism or humanism, just living by good morals and being a good person. In 2019, I, I went to hear a famous pastor speak named Stephen Furtick, and he proposed this question. He said, what is the opposite of faith? And many people said, uh, doubt. Is that what you're saying, Teresa? <laughs> Sorry, I'm pointing you out. Uh, many people are saying um, doubt or mistrust or disbelief or even fear. Furtick actually proposed that it's certainty. The opposite of faith is certainty. And it's certainty in what we can see or in what we can do or accomplish. This could also be called self-reliance or doing things in our own strength. I know for me, I, I don't wanna just trust in something. I think this goes back to uh, the garden with Adam and Eve, with wanting the knowledge of good and evil. They didn't fully trust that God is gonna take care of them and provide for them in every situation. We wanna control the situation and have it for ourselves. You know, when God asked me um, if I trusted him to give up my addiction, my honest answer was no. I don't trust you, God. I, I've heard about having a relationship with you, but this seems so foolish. Even though you came in that jail cell and helped me out, I just don't really believe that you would, you would actually be my comfort, that you could actually displace these things. But I was at my end. And guys, I pray Nobody in here ever gets to a rock bottom before they finally call on God. Don't wait until that moment where you've really just like, okay, I'm at my end, I've lost everything. I'm ready to call on God for help. Like the adventure is right now. The adventure into a meaningful life is right now. Are we gonna say yes? Are we gonna stop putting our, 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 our desires into comfort into things that we can control. I love how Di said this. She said, the way of the world is understand, then believe. And the way of the Lord is believe, and then you'll understand. I'm gonna say it one more time. Because my wife told me, she's like, you should repeat that part, it's really good. Said the way of the world is understand, then believe. The way of the Lord is believe, and then you'll understand. It's just the total paradigm shift. It's the upside down kingdom. I know I had, I had tried every different way to get off of drugs. I went to rehabs. I went into accountability. I told all my family, I told everybody about my addiction in hopes that they could save me, in hopes that them knowing about it was somehow gonna make it better. And there's definitely power in that. And I've tried white knuckling. You know, I'm just gonna quit. Five days later, it's too much, I hate it. I hate my life, 
I'm going back into drugs. But it wasn't until I just decided to put my faith in what I couldn't see. And that's when actually the miraculous came down. Guys, Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. I want to invite the worship team up. Before we enter into a time of worship, I'm going to read one more passage um, that illustrates who Jesus is. I know for me, walking out of my faith and as different circumstances come against me, the one thing that really strengthens my faith, and in fact, it's, it's I think the thing we're going to need the most is just fixing our eyes on the one who has loved us before the foundation of the world, the one who knows our pain and our suffering, and the one who conquered the grave. Philippians 2 says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is our inclusive Savior. His death took your sin, every past, every present, and every future sin. He's also the most exclusive savior. You know, your sinfulness is not an obstacle to get to heaven. And your good deeds won't get you there either. So what's our response? Guys, I pray that we would just jump into this river of humanity or humility. It's good to feel human. It's good to feel like we just need help. We need each other. So Jesus, thank you for what you did. Thank you that you just freely gave your life. for the joy set before you, God. God, I pray that we would know you as friend, as closer than a brother, and here with us in this moment. God, I pray that we would celebrate our salvation today. And as we celebrate, we could feel confidence surging into us. Thank you for who you are, God.